Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. And welcome to episode 122 of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Podvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Morning, guys. And Treg Wilson. How you doing? It's, uh, you know, it's a Saturday. So. It is. Weekend's here, yay. It's, uh, It's a game day. The Canadians play Winnipeg tonight. Um. So that's a thing. And it's a late game too. Yeah. Like 11 o'clock Atlantic time. So plenty of time to get drunk so that if anything really bad happens, eh, you won't remember. Works for all my birthdays. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Twitter will let us remember. Oh, no doubt. Well, the good news is uh, our show is not uh, is not deemed offensive like the Muppets on Disney, so we have that going for us. 
Yes, we do, Fozzie. I'm Walter. I'm too sarcastic. Not according, to not according to Twitter. Because <laughs> Twitter's always right. Of course it is. It's Twitter. Like I read it on Facebook, so it must be true. Exactly. <clears throat> Why would Twitter lie? So does that make Matt Kermit? Uh, I, don't have that, I don't have that much star power. Yeah, you do. <laughs> He's Rolf. <laughs> does that make you animal? Or Gonzo, one or the other. Yeah, I go with, yeah, more like Gonzo. I don't have a big nose, but maybe animal. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Could be. If anyone's wondering why we're talking about the Muppets, uh, <laughs> go check out the Habs Unfiltered Twitter feed. And uh, you'll see a picture of the Muppet Show entrance, which is basically a precursor to Zoom. Really. Uh, so <clears throat> enough with the fun. Uh, today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the issues the team is facing. Um, and... There's quite a few of them, you know, stuff, uh, stuff about the forwards, a little bit about defense, goaltending. So we're going to just get right into it here. Um, tonight's lineup, uh, Alan is the, is the only announcement so far. As we record, it's Saturday morning, 1140 a.m. Atlantic time. Um, Alan's the only announcement. He's going to start. <clears throat> The Rainer, the lineup is, uh, it looks a little bit different. The practice, uh, the practice yesterday, uh, this is from John Lou's Twitter account. Uh, the top line of Tatar, Deno, and Gallagher is still together. Uh, Drouin and Suzuki are now joined by Toffoli, who has moved over to the right wing. The third line is Lekkonen, Kotkaniemi, and Armia. So the finish line is back together. And the fourth line is composed of Byron, Evans and Froelich. So Evans moves slots back in as center. And it looks as if Froelich's going to get his, uh, his first taste of game action as a Montreal Canadian. There is no change on defense. The pairings all remain the same. Uh, and yeah, so <laughs> slight changes. Anderson's out day to day with uh, a lower body injury. I mean, there's some talk that it could be, an ankle, it could be a knee, but the clear cut slew foot by DeMello in the corner uh, created this, uh, this happening. So he's out day to day. In the meantime, the lines are rejigged and it looks like Froelich is the big winner here as he gets to slot in. So this brings us to the issues that the Canadians are facing now with the new coach and everything that's going on. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you, Treg, to start off. Can you, what's one issue that you feel that they should start looking at? Oh, it's the defense. Uh, the defense pairings have to change. Sherratt and Weber look terrible together this year. Um, there's too slow. People are just out skating them. Uh, last game in Winnipeg, Weber looked lost. I thought Weber was the worst guy on the ice. Now, I know there's a lot of Weber fans out there, but uh, if you ask me, I think Weber was the worst defenseman on the ice in the last Winnipeg game. He did make um, two bad reads that led to goals. 
Um, he's just, I don't know what it is. Uh, Sherratt's been having a rough time all season. Uh, I don't know why they don't want to break these pairings up. Uh, if it was me and I just actually had this conversation with Grant McKeg on, uh, on Twitter, just before we came on the show, uh, I would pair Romanov with Weber as a second pairing. Petrie and Edmondson as your first pairing with Sherratt and either Kulak or even Flurry. Throw Flurry in there. Give him a give him a shot. I don't have an issue with that, but um, I'm not even against throwing Mete in on the on the fourth line with Sherratt. Give someone who can uh, move the puck uh, with a guy who kind of can't. So uh, even though last year Sherratt wasn't bad at moving the puck, uh, he had a little bit of offense to him. I see your reactions, Matt, but what I'm saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, so is this is this something like you're, you're you're feeling like the 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 pairings are too static? They're not mobile enough. Is that yes. why you're okay? They're they're very not mobile enough. They're I'm going old school here. You need to have a puck mover with a stay at home. Sherratt so, and Weber are both stay at home. Lori uh, off Twitter, Lori Ten there said it perfect. If you're going to have stay at home defensemen, you're always going to be staying home. It's a, so, yeah, it's a good point. <clears throat> So is it like uh, that yeah. the old uh, Nintendo ice hockey game where you have the big guy, <laughs> the medium guy, and the little guy? So you need a big guy and a medium guy so they can get it up to the little guy so he can pretend to pass and the goalie moves and it goes right in the net. So Yeah. See, we just solved everything by using a Nintendo reference. Nintendo solves everything. Oh, yeah. Um, but that, that's my big concern. Uh, the offense doesn't really concern me. I didn't think they played all that bad. I think Deneau's line should be a third line, not a first line. But that's with the way the minutes are going, even on the Ducharme, that's neither here nor there. There's only like a maybe a minute 15 between the first and third line difference on five on five. So, um, And Alan, we can get into that later when we talk about price on yeah. what, I, what I think about that. So that, that's, that's what I think. On the defense, Matt, what else do you have on that? Uh, let's see. On the defense, a lot of people picked on Edmondson start of the year. Yeah. And said that uh, he was just going to be a bum and he wasn't going to do anything. He wasn't going to bring anything to the lineup. Well, that the, the group of him and uh, Petrie together have actually been the best defense pairing for the Canadians you know, consistently all season. Um you look at a team that we're talking about defensive troubles and I know plus minus doesn't always tell the story, but uh, combined they're a plus 30. Yeah. So while, while we look at um, we look at uh, Weber, who's a minus two and Sherratt's a minus one. Like I know that's not a huge number and they're the only ones on the team that are a negative. Um, so obviously we see that the team can put the puck in the net. But lately, that really hasn't been the uh, that really hasn't been the uh, the case. Um, in terms of defense, like it's 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 really hard to say if uh, if they're going to make changes. I do agree that um, Sherratt and Weber should be broke up for at least the time being. Let both of them find their games again. They were they were lights out in the playoffs. In the bubble, they looked good. Sherratt looked good. Weber looked very good. Um, it's at the point right now that I would probably just be just because of the ex, more he's a little bit more experienced. Um, I would probably put Kulak with Weber, sure. and then play uh, and then play <laughs> Roman and then play Romanov with Sherratt. Then you've got you've got a mobile guy on each line, as as Trey said. Um, 
it's 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 disappointing because this year started very very promising, and um, and now we're seeing uh, we're seeing a team that's uh, looking for more of an identity than anything. And um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against seeing Mete come back in the lineup or giving Flurry a chance, especially if they're going to give Furleek a chance at his first game. Why not throw uh, Why not throw Flurry in there and give him some opportunity as well? Um, he surprised us out of camp last year, and he turned some heads. We know the guy can play. He can play that physical style, and for a bigger guy, he can actually move. So we'll we'll see what happens. I I, I think. Uh, it would be an inexperienced pairing, but him and Romanov playing together would definitely keep people's heads up. That's for sure. Yeah. For me on the defense, <clears throat> uh, Sherratt and Weber are essentially the, your shutdown pairing being a minus at five on five kind of sucks on that, but in the playoffs, uh, in the play in round as well, uh, that pairing paired up extremely well against top opposition, which they can do They're They, uh, they can watch film and they can set their game to offset specific players. But in a regular season, when you're, you're playing, you're granted in this season, they're playing a, a, the team, you know, once or twice in a row, but it's not over a seven game span. They don't get to use that physicality to really uh, take advantage as you could in the playoffs. So I don't see an issue putting them together every now and then as a shutdown, you know, when you're closer to the end of a period you need to hold on to a lead, <clears throat> you know, that kind of idea. But the idea of adding mobility with experience, uh, Weber, you know, at, at his age, he's not as mobile as he used to be. He's still effective, but putting Romanov with him or Kulak, even you have a much more mobile, much faster pairing. So Weber can still play his style of game and, his partner is able to compliment him in a, in a better way than Sherratt, who plays very similar to what Weber does. Uh, and like, like the two of you, I, I like that uh, Edmondson-Petrie pairing for that reason. Edmondson is more of a stay-at-home guy. He's, <clears throat> he's still fairly mobile, and uh, he's able to, to get, uh, keep the puck in the zone. He's able to keep the cycle moving. And if Petrie does move up in the play, and this is something I'm going to get into later when we're talking about uh, Ducharme's style of uh, coaching. So when Petrie moves up in the play, he stays back. He provides that, uh, that stopgap. If there's ever a turnover, there's at least one person there. He may not be successful as we've seen in the past, but he has broken up plays. You know, it's a, it's a 50-50 shot. But if you're going to be pushing the pace of a game, you need that stopgap measure. So... I'm with you guys. I, I completely agree that we need to see some kind of um, adjustment on defense with the pairings. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing that uh, because I, I'm going to shift us to the next issue here and uh, move us to the forward position. Uh, I brought this up before the season started. There's an inexperience at center. The Canadians are facing that now. We're seeing the outcome from this. Suzuki's having a hard time keeping, uh, but uh, to keep putting up points and be relied on defensively. Kotkaniemi has been basically held to uh, to a third line role. He does have some some deficiencies in his game, but he is, in my opinion, earned a little bit more ice time. 
which is why it seems they've really relied on Deneau far too much. And that, that has been hurting the team. Um, Treg, what's your, what's your view on the usage on these centers? Uh, <clears throat> I like Suzuki where he's at only because with Anderson and Druin, even though he's not getting the points, the line is doing what it's supposed to do. It's providing offense. Um, when it comes to Kotkaniemi, if he could be more consistent in the face-off dot, he would be winning the first play, first uh, C job right now. Um, he has not had too many bad games. The issue with him is he's on that third pairing. He's not getting the opportunity to play the minutes that he needs to play. Um, I'm not saying he hasn't been bad. I'm not saying he hasn't been, but he's a, he needs some more minutes. The points will come. He He's not playing to the point where he's regressing. He's playing to the point where he's playing well. He's just being held back and Deneau's the issue. Julian Deneau is Julian's David Dayarne. And uh, for some reason he, they want to keep throwing it. And, and Ducharme is doing the same thing. I don't know why. I think he's trying to kickstart the line, I think, is what he's trying to do. Now, granted, that was just one game for Ducharme so far, and <clears throat> it was. Yeah. Rome wasn't built in a day. Correct, and I'm not. I'm not. This is not a diss at Ducharme for doing yeah. it. I believe he's doing it to try to kickstart Tatar that line again. Because let's admit, in the past three years, that's been one of the best five v five lines in the league. So, uh, but Deneau's just. I think with Deneau there and the way he's playing. He's a, he's stopping guys like Kakinemi from getting that extra ice time. It should be switched. I, personally, I would like to see a line of KK with Tatar and Gallagher, and Deneau move to the third to the third line. Uh, if Anderson was back, then Tafoli and Gallagher with with KK as a second line. Uh, keep Suzuki, Anderson, and Druin. I think that line's been consistent all year. Yes, Suzuki's been a bit inconsistent, but it's not dragging as lo- it's not to the point where it's dragging the line down. Um, and throw Deneau on the third line. Deneau's a defensive uh, uh, forward. He's a Guy Carbono with the team. He's a third-line center. Um, that's the way I look at it. Um, for the fourth line, I, I'm glad Froelich's going to come in and get a game. I'd like to see what he has. I hope he doesn't play like he did in Laval because he had a terrible game in Laval. Um, yeah, he wasn't very good in the two games he played. But he hasn't, he hasn't played in over a year, so... Yeah. You know, uh, give the guy a chance. He can't be any worse than Byron playing at center the other night. I thought that was terrible. Um, and it wasn't against Byron. He's playing a new position. That's not a slight on Byron for all you Byron lovers. Hi, Beth. It was the um, team that he had to match up against at center. Yeah, yeah. correct. And uh, it just it just didn't work, right? Uh, he used his speed, though. Byron tried to get in behind the defense a few times. He used his speed. Uh, but to me, um, yeah. I think uh, that I think that Gallagher got to be separated from Deneau and Tatar. You got to break that lineup, and you got to move Deneau behind the young guys. Yes, they're inexperienced, but what do you have to lose right now? Nothing. You pretty much. So. the The team's already on a pretty deep slide. Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, for for me the the uh, the lack of adjustment with the come when it comes to KK and Deneau. Uh, I get why he put the line together. You're right. It looks like he wants to re- uh, kickstart that line. But I think it was more in that game to be used as a, a matchup. So it would shut down the Shifley line. 
because if the Canadians have any hope of winning a game against Winnipeg, it's shutting down one of their two top six lines. Winnipeg's top six is top loaded. So if you can shut down one of those lines and Suzuki's line can keep, keep the puck down the other way a little bit more, then you got a really good chance where Kotniemi's line could really step up and be a difference maker. Like he did in that first game against Winnipeg. He was the reason they got the power play goal to begin with. And he's still pulling off about half a point a game while playing about 13 minutes per game with very little power play time. So for me, I see his offensive game growing. He, he should be getting more ice time, especially on the power play which is another area of concern for the Canadians who've, whose power play has been about 5% since that uh, February 4th game against Ottawa that where the tailspin began. So Matt, what, what do you got on the power play or any random arrows you want to throw at them? So I'll just go back to uh, your center question first and I'll just yeah. do my, uh, my quick say on that. For me, it's all about, um, starting with puck possession. And this is a team that uh, they can't win face-offs. Um, they, they, uh, this is a, this, there's, there's so many things that we can talk about that they need to practice, but um, putting it into a game day scenario is, is another, uh, is a whole other thing. Um, that's one thing for me is Deneau can go out there and he can be out there for face-offs and eat up minutes and everything like that. But uh, in the last game, he was out there for a lot of defensive faceoffs, and he lost quite a few of them. It wasn't his best game, even though he played um, a season high. And um, yes, it could be to kickstart that line. I completely agree. And hopefully that happens, but um, they can only rely on that uh, group together for so long until changes need to be made. Same thing as the deep pairings, as we said earlier. Um, inexperience at center, hundred percent. Kakaniemi, if I, uh, if I had the opportunity, I put some skill on his wings. What I really think for, um, for him, the worst thing that happened so far to him this year was when Armia got injured. When, uh, when the three of them were playing together, the other being to Foley. Yes. Armia only had that one big breakout game where he got four points and he's only got, uh, you know, he's only got, uh, I think seven on the season or something like that with two of them being in the last game. Um, but I really think that just he kind of started doing a mix match because there was no, it was, it was Armia to Foley plus, and it was either Lekkinen or it was Perry or it was Byron or it was this, it was just that additional piece just coming up and down the lineup. And um, we saw earlier this season that with consistency on the lines and on the D pairings, it worked. Then you got Armia that gets injured and then you get the whole, um, you get everything that went on with Mete. And then all of a sudden people start coming in and out of the lineups. It wasn't because injuries a hundred percent, especially on the defensive pairs. All of a sudden you've got an agent that's talking to the media and you know, the hand was forced. And now in my opinion, the guys that are um, more prone to sit like Kulak and Romanov are a little bit scared to touch the puck right now. That's, that's just, that's just my opinion. We, we don't see the same Romanov as we did before. And we definitely don't see the same Kulak. They're not jumping up into the play as much. 
Um, they've taken uh, Romanov off the power play, which don't get me wrong. It was a little bit weird to see at the start of the season anyway, but at least it was, he was, he was skating. He was getting pucks on net. Uh, now it's just, he's just, he seems like he's lost. Um, in terms of the power play though, um, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Weber and um, I'd like to see Weber and uh, Petrie back on the same pairing, to be honest. You got, you, it would give two big shots and um, you could put uh Kakaniami in the slot. He's got a hell of a shot or to Foley and um, give, give yourselves more options. Everyone, everyone knows you're going to go to Weber anyway. All you got to do is just bait them, just bait them enough that, um, you know, maybe Petrie's going to shoot it or maybe somebody other than Weber is going to shoot the puck. But we know that that's usually the default. And unfortunately it's, you know, either somebody is uh, brave enough to block the shot and he misses the net or uh, they just can't get set up to begin with, which was the issue in the last game. Yes. They scored on the power play, but it was a goddamn fluke. We all know it was. We'll look back on it 10 years from now and say it was like a, ph- a phenomenal goal, but um they need to they need to sure up a lot of aspects of their game. Power play, the penalty kill is now like they take so many damn penalties. I think I think at the start of the year they were just like, Well, we're shorthanded again. We may as well work on this. And they were just absolutely deadly killing penalties. They were they were scorned shorthanded. They were causing more chances than they were giving up. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, we're taking a penalty. We're probably going to get scored on. Well, here. So to, to the point of the, uh, <clears throat> the power play goal. Um, yeah. It was a lucky bounce that uh, the defenseman misplayed and caught was able to take advantage of, but here's the thing. That's what you want. You want, he was, they were in the position to create the chance based on that they forced a play it was a misread by their by the winnipeg defender and kotniemi was able to turn that into a goal for tatar so yeah bit of a a bit of a lucky break but at the same time you have to create your luck absolutely Uh, and from that point on the canadians stopped creating any luck for themselves and went on to uh you know, basically collapse. <clears throat> now, I think the I think the Anderson Slewfoot had something to do with that as well. It took it him changed it, up the, it, it changed the it changed the lineups a little bit. You take your arguably your biggest and more and most mobile larger sure. forward yeah. that's gonna be in on the four check against a big team. And now all of a sudden you're sending in like Byron to throw the hits, right? Well, this so is- it kind of points to the, uh, the fragility of their psyche. So they're, the things were starting to go well, but as soon as the, as one thing went wrong, they started to collapse. Yeah, so they, st- they started, they started very well. Yeah. And then they, they started very soon well. after. So hey, um, Anderson, uh, it just goes to show you that and how important Anderson is. This is the second game he left early and yeah. the second time Montreal fell apart after he left. So uh, when he left with the flu-like symptoms, they, they played a terrible game the rest of that game as well. Um, so it just goes to show how important Anderson is to that forward group. Well, it, this is a team that's been desperately in need of a power forward for years. And now that they've got one, they rely on him heavily. So that's, it's understandable to a point, but 
injuries are going to happen. He's not going to play every single game. Like right now, it doesn't exactly. look like he's going to play tonight. And and Montreal got to work around that and figure yeah. out a way. Yeah, they have enough. They have enough depth that an injury should not make them scramble that much afterwards. And I don't think they'll be as uh, as scattered as they were last night. But uh, yeah, it, losing a player mid game that's going to change things for them. They're they're going to be a little bit off, and this all kind of goes back to that whole uh, negativity around the room. They're still not a they're still not past everything that's happened with uh, the firing of Claude Julian and uh, Dominic Ducharme hasn't taken control of that room yet. Uh, not fully, <clears throat> but um, before we get into Dom Ducharme, his style, we should get, we should talk about the style for every man. Hey fellas, we're in the thick of winter and a storm's a brewing. It looks like one to three inches are in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology, your snags on your snowballs will be reduced. The trimmer is also a waterproof so you can trim in the shower or jacuzzi if you're a savage. Manscaped's Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The Performance Package comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. Have you, have you ever noticed how nasty nose and ear hair is? In fact, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Might as well use the best tools to do the job. This bundle also comes with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant that will make your balls smell nice and make you feel like your testes are walking in a winter wonderland. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel that, uh, that will make your balls look up at you and say, thanks. Don't get cold feet this winter. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. They also have a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on their website from disposable mats for your pubes to foot deodorant. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code unfiltered20. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code unfiltered20. Thanks, Manscaped, for making our winter wieners look so good. So from manscaping style to coaching style, uh, Dominic Ducharme has only had the one game and we can't really expect him to do much, especially when uh, the week off that the Canadians had had, I think that would have been the perfect time to make a coaching change. They had five days where he could have, <clears throat> he could have made the changes and had the players practice. But for whatever reason, uh, valid or unvalid, depends on your point of view, and it's neither here nor there, Bergevin waited until after that time and then made his move. So now it's basically Ducharme is trying to do things on the fly. So, Treg, you wrote something on the hockey writers that came out, I believe, yesterday on Ducharme and his background. Can you give us a little bit on that? 
Well, Ducharme, uh, he's never had NHL experience uh, playing hockey, but he did go to the ECAHL and the uh, AHL before playing over in France. Um, but he, as a coach, has had nothing but success at the Q- with the QMJHL. Uh, he led the Mooseheads in only his second year to one of the best records in the league. I believe they were 52-6-3, something something ridiculous like that uh and then led them to uh in the playoffs for the president's trophy lost only one game and then they went to the memorial cup and and won that mind you he had zach for and nets nate mckinnon jonathan drew and uh nicholas uh ehler uh he had a uh uh, sean for or stefan fournier was uh was the captain they had a they had a good team don't don't get me wrong but as we know uh even teams with talent sometimes can't win when the game counts. I'm not going to name any teams, but they wear the same colors as my shirt. Um, uh, anyway, uh, sorry, outside hockey. I had to throw that out there. Um, so it takes a good coach to get them through the playoffs. It takes a good coach to win, win the hard games. Uh, he didn't went to, uh, I didn't mention the article, but then he went to GM and coach. Uh, were you Noranda? Is that my saying that right? Uh, no, Drummondville. He went to Drummondville. Drummondville. That's right, Drummondville. And uh, he had success there. He's made the every year he coached. He made the playoffs except for one, um, and that was his last year with the Mooseheads. And uh, and then he uh, then he got hired by the uh, Montreal Canadiens to be the assistant coach. Uh, so as a head coach, uh, not to mention internationally, he led the World Junior Championships to a silver and a gold, and seventeen and eighteen. So he has a pedigree to win. He, he, he's a coach that can get the best out of his players. He's a coach that works with his players. Uh, Blaine, you will know from watching him in Halifax, he's not afraid to shuffle lines. He's not afraid to throw the blender out there. And if the line's not working, pulling a guy off and put another guy on that line during the game, exact opposite of Claude Julian. Um, he's not afraid to listen to his players and say, and talk to his players. Like a player says, I like doing it this way he will find a way to work that in so the player will improve. Um, he has his systems, but he's, he, I, we talked a bit about this last show. When the players get into the offensive zone, he just wants them to use their skill and their knowledge of what they know about hockey to score the goal. He's not going to sit there and say, I need you to go here, you to go here, you to go here, you to go here, right? He's like, create your offense, use your skill. I, it's not loosey-goosey as I'm making it sound, but – he lets his players use their own minds and use their own uh, talent. They're open to user creativity. Zone, correct. Whereas under Julian, he had set systems. Yeah. This is our offense. This is how it goes. And this is why you find guys like even a Boston Pasternak and that they were scoring a whole ton because they had to play within that system. Um, defensively. He's an offensive minded coach, but he does like his defense to be tight uh, in Halifax, when they uh, won the Memorial Cup, they only allowed 176 goals against as to 365-4. So uh, um, he, he, ha- he does expect defensive responsibility. Uh, he works hard on the transition game. And he's, a, he's a more of a, an open coach. As I, don't wanna, I use dictator, I think, in the article, but I think that was a strong word. Um, yeah. We're, we're Tarion and, and, and Julian. If you put the two coaches, they were very, this is the way, you know what I mean? This is the way the system is. This is the way it goes. Uh, Very veteran based. Our veterans are going to lead the way 
and rookies, you got to you got to earn your way in there. Uh, Ducharme is more performance based. If Suzuki's well, it's only been one game, but he is very more performance based. If Kotkaniemi keeps outperforming Dano, I wouldn't be surprised if he switches Dano and Kotkaniemi. That that he, he he rewards people based on their performance, and I think that's what we can look forward. Take in mind, it's been one game. It's yeah. been like two practices. So it takes time. I'm not good. Sheldon Keefe took what, two weeks with Toronto before he got that team rolling. And I expect pretty much the same with, uh, with Ducharme. I just hope they get a few wins within that two weeks. That's all. Yeah. What, uh, what I think fans should keep an eye out for is eventually you're going to start seeing the same style that the Canadians had at the beginning of the season, the first eight, 10 games coming back in. So Ducharme's, uh, offensive style is to release a defender to cre- to cause him to become the fourth skater in, generating some odd man rushes and wreaking some havoc with defensive coverage. That'll that'll generate some that'll generate a few ch- scoring opportunities for sure, and improve the zone entries. It'll definitely improve zone entries. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that and on that to see some defensive pairing adjustments based on it, because he's going to want more mobile defensemen to be able to step into the rush who can then come back. Um, but he can't another, do that on with Sherratt and Weber because they don't have the mobile defense. No. To do that. So another, another major, major, major issue this season so far has been discipline and Canadians are in second place right now with the most minor penalties uh, called against. And that's because they're they're behind the play a little bit. They're they're kind of cheating a, a little bit, and so there's some hooking, some slashing, tons of really bad minor penalties. What Ducharme's system does is shortens shifts, so players are going to have 40, 50 second shifts, and you're going to see them be less tired. So they'll they won't be as far behind a play, they won't be as tired making poor decisions. And you're going to see a lot less penalties against based on that alone. So his style is more conducive to a more disciplined style of play. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see a difference in that. So that should help. That should help uh, shut down some of the issues on the penalty kill. The, uh, because he doesn't like uh, – <clears throat> when he was in Halifax, we, we saw this over the years. He mentioned it many, many times. He hates seeing his team take more than three penalties a game because then you're short, it, it ruins the momentum of a game, completely destroys it because you're constantly on the penalty kill. You're, use, you're using up uh, energy and ice time for your better players that could be best used offensively. So if you can keep the Montreal Canadiens – to three penalties or less in a game, we're going to see a much better Montreal Canadiens team on the ice. And I agree. It's going to take a couple of weeks. Uh, Matt, you've been, you've been letting us go. What, what about you? The discipline's been a, an issue the whole season. And um, how if they could get below three, three penalties a game, that'd be phenomenal. I think it would be a total turnaround for this team. Um, and as you said, uh, it's been a lot of, uh, it's, it's been the extra stuff. It's been the, it's been a lot of um, hooking and slashing and everything like that. But uh, the one thing that's been pissing me off is um, well, there's two things actually. Um, 
one thing is the uh, the delay of game penalties. Like for for a while, it was the um, not that not this season, but last year, in the year before, it was the uh, too many men, too many men, too many men. This year, it's oh puck over glass, puck over glass. Depends which team is doing it, though. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that brings me to my second point. Um, it's the um, well, we can we can argue the missed calls on the Canadian side, but it's the calls that are some of the calls that are going against the Canadians as well. And I'll bring up I'll bring up the um, the Petrie charging, um, you know, brutal wow. headshot from the last game. That was such a horrible second, call at the end of the second period. That was just oh. probably like. If you, you probably should have just suspended him right there on the spot, because it was pretty. It was a pretty heinous charge. He, he literally it, he went from one side of the ice to the other. It was a charging penalty, guys. Charging, because he was. It was what, attempted murder. A, it was half a foot away. He, he, he <laughs> slammed into him, elbows to the face, headbutt on the way down. I think yeah. he kicked him. Yeah, but the the, the, well the thing the thing that pissed me off about that is just is the ransom a, note was misspelled when he said I kidnapped your child. Do you have to yeah. lay on the ice? <laughs> the the thing that pissed me off about that play was the fact that um, and I put a video up on my Twitter and a lot of people did as well. Is um, it was the refs call? Like the hit was made and then it was like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and then he's like arm just shoots up. And it's the end of the period. You're just like, come on, like we know that that's bullshit. And um, and 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 they they talked about the um, the press conference the other day. They talked about uh, about the De, the Demello. Um, did you think it was a uh, slew foot to Weber? And Weber kind of tiptoed around it. And I think that was more of a, more strategic on his part of not being in the media saying anything about a missed call because it's probably going to work against the team. Probably because right? the most so, uh, I mean, impartial people are going to impartially get revenge. Yeah. But you know what? Well, they, the, the, the Canadians, the Canadians right now, they just need to go back to playing the game that they played at the start of the year. That's right. Limit those penalties, play with speed, have the other guys behind you hooking and slashing and take advantage of the power plays while you can, even if you don't, capitalize on those power play opportunities at least you're taking scoring opportunities away from the other team i'm going to bring up two things about the game just because it popped into my mind the high stick on perry that led to a goal yeah uh, and the referee sitting literally looking him right in the face when he got high sticked uh if you look at the replay and i also think the power play goal should have been challenged by ducharme for goalie interference um, the one that made it three, two, uh, where price was flopping in the crease. The Winnipeg guy had his stick between price's legs while price was in the crease, trying to move over or trying to get up anyway. And he couldn't move. It probably wouldn't have counted. Right. Or, I mean, it probably wouldn't have been a, they probably wouldn't have called the goal back, but, uh, I think the league and the team's got to start challenging every goalie interference thing every single one of them, whether they think it's going to go for them or not. I know they get a penalty, but really what have you got to lose? Because this goalie interference thing is just 
freaking ridiculous. Well, they're they're not so. going to do it because of the penalty. Because now you're down a goal and you're shorthand, and you could be down two yeah. goals in one play. So, I can't see them doing it. I I know the reason why you're saying that because I, I've been harping on this for a while. It's it seems like it's an actual coin flip every yep. friggin' time. You have I mean, no rhyme or reason as to what the call is. You remember in the last episode, we talked about this specifically, the goalie interference. And then not even a day later, the day after we released that show, a goal nearly identical to the one they called back on the Canadians was scored. And it was called a goal. I think teams are uh, just scared to call to, to make that call. One being a reason of taking the penalty, but the other is just, it can be, it can be as apparent as a parent can be. Someone can just bowl the goalie right over and shoot into a wide open net. It seems, and there's a which p- has happened, and there's a potential, and there's a potential that it's going to be called a good goal. Yeah, because he, co- mean, he every, coasted into the goalie. The Montreal goal in Ottawa. Everyone in the rink said that's a good goal. It's a good goal. Like, how are they going to not? How are they going to reverse this? And all of a sudden, it's like, no goal. What would have made that call um, even better, though, is if Kelly Rudy's button would have popped, like, as <laughs> as that as that happened. It's like, it's not a goal. Holy shit, pop, right? That would have been the best, right? <laughs> Kelly Rudy's button is the coin flip. So every time it pops. <laughs> you know what? With the, with the amount of force that was behind that, I think it's still in the air flipping, to be honest. <laughs> but, That's the war room's I mean, coin can- flip. Yeah. You could even go to the Calgary Toronto game with Riddick and yeah. the Nylander goal That's to tie right. it. Yeah. Their only reason Calgary didn't challenge it. Also, it wasn't within the last minute. It was a minute and a half. So the yep. war room did not automatically look at it. Yep. But the only reason they didn't challenge it, because if they they lose, they go into overtime shorthanded against the best right. power play team in the league. Yeah. Well, they're not going to take that risk, right? No. So and you and still got a minute and a half of the period of them of Toronto on the power play. So which, which is the exact goal I was, I was referencing. Right. So Gallagher who got knocked into a goal, he got out of the blue paint. They call it back, but you have one, uh, one blue Jersey standing directly over top of Riddick. Then you have two of them jamming at him. No, and he never moved. He's never even tried to move. And then you got two blue jerseys jamming at his goalie pad. Yes, the puck is loose, but holy geez, the man man can't move because he's got all kinds of blue jerseys on him, which is is good for Toronto. It shows that they're aggressive and they're going after it. And bad for Calgary because they could defend against it. But it comes back to how in the hell is that a goal, but not Gallagher's who was leaving the blue paint? It is really inconsistent. There's... I don't care if you call it a goal. I like seeing stuff like that. The, the, the Toronto goal, seeing, seeing a team get aggressive and go after it and score a goal in that manner. I like that. I, I really do. So if that's a goal, why is every other play similar to that? Not a goal. Consistent calls. Let us know what the hell goalie interference is and follow that. Like, holy I shit. Mean, it's been... It's been four or five years now, and they still don't have a, a proper because they're uh, using the coin flip method. Interference. They're literally so flipping a coin. I, we're basically beating a dead horse here, but uh, it's uh, I don't want to say the refs are against Montreal. I hate saying no, that no, 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 no. They're not biased against any specific uh, team. I, I don't think sucked. they're biased. 
<laughs> However, it and, and that's what I think. I think the refing this year, for some reason, I don't know why, across the entire league, it's terrible. It is freaking terrible. Yeah. From game to game, like there's some games that are just bad and others that, that seem really good. And the reason is, depending on who's refing and who they're with. So it's the consistency of the calls. The, if you can sort out though that that inconsistency and you can say okay well like in Montreal's last game against Winnipeg a player had his stick slashed out of his hand a Winnipeg Jet had his player uh, had his stick slashed out of his hand and he complained to the referee who then turned and said hold on to your stick better because he only had one hand on the stick and instead of calling a slashing call he just let it go but you watch that same play happen in a Vancouver Edmonton game it's an automatic it's penalty. Yeah. It's that consistency, that lack of consistency. That is the reason why people have that perception that officials aren't very good. Yeah. I've watched, I've watched games in different divisions this year. And I feel that, uh, I feel that the Canadian division is really the most inconsistent so far. Yes. Um, you can, I've watched a lot of, um, like I'm a big Ovechkin fan. I always have been. I've, so I've lost a lot of, I've watched a lot of Washington games and, um, a lot of a lot of the penalties that you see, you're like, holy hell! Like that guy just got like, well, well, for instance, like with Tom Wilson or or any or really anybody, you see some of the hits or some of the plays or some of the scrambles in the nets and stuff like that, and you're just like, that's gonna be a penalty, and then they let them play on, and you're just like, holy shit! If we could have that in Montreal, you know, Sherratt would have I, like one minor penalty right now. <laughs> I have no issue with the referee putting his whistle away and letting the boys play. I have no issue with that. Yeah. I also there, have no issue if there, I have no issue if a referee calls everything, yeah. but be consistent That's about right. what you're going to do. Yeah. If you're going to call everything, call everything. Yeah, like if you're not, not going to call everything, only call what's blatant. The high stick to Perry or the high stick to a, a Winnipeg player. Like yeah. I don't care who gets the penalty. If it's an oblivious penalty, call it. Yeah. It's if getting... it's one of those if it's it's a, if it's a eh, I don't know don't call, call it, it or don't but if you're gonna yeah. it, or or if you're gonna call it call it all of it yeah. so you have 40 penalties in the game and the game's four hours long yeah. one or the other just do so it. it's, it's getting to the point for me where i'm starting to miss chris lee yeah not so much because uh, but for me it's kind of like the the name that keeps coming up to me is kevin pollock and they keep putting him like he's an he's an experienced ref but they keep putting him with inexperienced guys yeah. and i know these guys gotta get experience somehow but like I use scouting the refs quite a bit, and um, it seems that Kevin Pollock make makes the call, and then either the young guy that's with them or the inexperienced guy that's with them is maybe a little bit hesitant pulling the whistle. So Pollock's like, "I'll make that call," and he'll make it from the other side of the ice instead of being the guy that's standing right there. And that's yeah. that's been a little bit of a piss off to me. And but as long as he's doing the same thing every game, Absolutely. I'm cool with that. I'm yeah. I'm fine with it. Be a be a hard ass with your calls. That's great, or or be lenient as shit. That's fine too. Um, and we're, as we talk about inconsistency, we're going to bring it back to the Canadians and talk about the one thing that is the most inconsistent thing on the Canadians roster. Carey Price. Well, he's consistently I, bad. Yeah, because of his inconsistencies. I I know this is uh we're a, a bit of a controversial take because. Hab's social media is polarized 
everyone is you're either on the side where you're you're highly protective of Carey Price or you're on a side of holy fuck we need to get rid of Carey Price. I'm kind of in between. I want to keep the guy, but I need him to play better. And with Allen playing tonight, that as I mentioned at the start of the show, that was announced. Um, it was also hinted at that Price needs a little bit more work with Stefan Waite. Um, they didn't actually say whether or not this is going to be something where they're just going to kind of ride Allen, but that's what it looks like to me because Carey Price's game doesn't look like it's a guy who's just fighting the puck. You know how in past years, you can tell he's focused on the game, but for whatever reason, he just can't, uh, he can't control the rebound properly or uh, he's he's had a hard time tracking it side to side. It's more of a mechanics issue for him in those points. But in this case, to me, everything screams headspace. His head doesn't seem to be in it. So he might need might need a little bit of break, maybe go ice fishing or something for a little while and then do some work with Stefan Wade. So Matt, what, what's, what's your take on that? As you say, it's a, it's a hard topic to talk about. I'm a big Carey Price fan as well. Yeah. And uh, don't I, – like – when it comes to the Canadians, there's 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 usually two players on the team that I don't usually go after, even if they're playing terrible, and that's Shea Weber and Carey Price. And um, it's it's hard to talk about. It's hard to see a goalie that uh, you look at that's broken so many records and that has played so well for this team and really carried them on his back for many years, being the one of the main reasons that this team is struggling right now. And um, he's he's starting to turn into a goalie that, uh, at least right now, that will make the big save, make the big save, make the big save, and then it's it's the it's the you know it's the it's the quick shot on net that you think that he would have that gets by him, and and many times this year it's been it's been that, and it's been the momentum shifter, or it's been the go ahead, or it's been. Uh, something that old carry price or playoff carry price or bubble carry price or whatever the hell action figure carry phrase figure you want to put um, is that day, but consistency needs to be found in his game. And I, I, I wouldn't be against Allen getting a little bit more ice time. Like the guy's got a nine thirty two save. He's got a 2.14 goals against average. And for a backup, like, those are phenomenal numbers. And, and, this is a, you know, like you've got Allen for a few more seasons. Will you possibly lose him to the expansion unless Bergerman does something about it? More than likely. I think right now that he'd be, uh, he'd be the guy. If I was, if I was, um, if I was uh, Seattle's management group and I saw what Allen was doing, you're damn right. I'd be plucking him out of Montreal. Um, but with price though, a lot of it, a lot of it, has to do with him some of it's got to do with the defense the fact that the team is just so inconsistent especially in overtime and in shootouts um it, it's not helping him at all you get you you give him that you get that many chances on you in in overtime or you've got a goalie that's already struggling and you put him in a shootout situation where he needs to be the guy to make the save um, it's not doing anything for his confidence. 
but I do think he needs to be better. And and we saw that in the Winnipeg game. He um, he looked good at times. Then he let that one up against um, the go-ahead goal. That was Thompson that scored that. And from there, the team was just more flat than what they were. And, I, and I'd love to see him be able to turn it around. We know that he can do it, but there's two sides of it. Is it let him play through it, still give him the starts, and still um, give him the minutes, let him play through it? Or is it let him sit back, be the quote-unquote backup to Allen until Allen's maybe falters a little bit, and then and then play it from play it from there. It's it, it's hard to say at this point, but you can look at what the fans are saying right now, and some of them are much nicer than others. So let's just say that. Yeah. That's just that's just like, how I, social media is. But it's hard to it's hard to go against Jake Allen right now. I don't think we're at the point where we can let him play through it. I don't think Carey Price is at the team needs wins. We're we're at that point now where they're sliding out of a playoff spot. So it's it's all hands on deck. Everyone needs to get to work here, start winning some games. So we're past that cushioning period where they can just let him play through it. And they kind of did. His last couple of games have been almost identical. He, he plays really well in stretches, and then he gives up horrible goals, like a giant banana. He just gives up these old, big old bananas at the worst possible times, like the, the Kachuk goal to tie the yeah. game against Ottawa. Yeah. That that the timing of that goal was horrible, but it was also a bad goal. He was, he wasn't placed properly. It, it squeaked through his body. Uh, the Thompson goal for Winnipeg to, to go ahead in the last game, same thing. It, it's a goal. He should have, it's a, it's a shot. He should have stopped. It was, and that's, it was and that's a bad time. And, and, and that's something that's that we've said a lot. Yeah. That sh- so, he should, he should have had that. He should have had that. And that's not, yes. and that's not just saying, well, Carey Price should have had that. It's any goalie should have had that. An Lindgren, NHL goalie. Should... Lindgren would have had had those. Well, he'd probably be flopping around the net and his blocker would be off, but maybe. Yeah, yeah. stopped as a stop, right? Uh, so that's why I'm saying it's more of a headspace thing and he needs yeah. a little bit of a, he needs a breather. So I think with Allen, the way he's been playing, they have that cushion. That's the beauty of having of paying that kind of money for quality backup, someone who can step in and provide quality starts and giving the team a chance to win. Meanwhile, Carey Price is going to work with Stefan Waite for a few days, get a little bit of a break from the game itself and just work on finer points, get his head back into it. And I think this is going to be the better way to go than just letting him play through it because now he doesn't have the press and the media constantly hounding him for, Oh, why did you let that goal in? Why did you lose this? And we know that he gets, he, he sees the, the press clippings and we know that he he has seen some of the crap that's on social media because it's it's affected him in the past so why would it change now um maybe his cup is full like it, everybody has a cup that their mental health you know what they can handle and after all these years in montreal his cup's right at the top and any little drop more of garbage kind of overflows and i think that's what we're seeing now so I, I don't know if this is the, uh, <clears throat> the 1995 version of the Red Wings game that we saw, but we're, we're getting to that point where um, with everything going on, we're starting to push what could be a generational talent out of Montreal again. 
that's when the fans, you know what, fans need to be careful and the media needs to be even more careful. And, and this is saying, this is really saying something when it, in terms of Montreal media who were kind of just out to get you, they're not as bad as, I'm not going to say they're as bad as Toronto. And, you know, you, uh, as long as your name isn't Matthews or Mariner, you can do whatever the hell you want. But um, it's, 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 um, you know, Carey Price, I think there's so much expectation for the team right now with the roster that they put together that they expect so much more. And with that team in front of him, he should have a little bit easier of a go than what he's had. And we cannot, and we cannot allow this situation to happen in my, in my opinion, that we lose Carey Price and we, uh, and we lose a, a talent like that. Right. I think the issue with Carey Price was the fact he wasn't able to get a rhythm at the start of the season. Uh, Carey Price is used to playing three, four games before getting a break, maybe, well, 10, 12 games recently. But, and I think that what happened was, is he got one, then he didn't play, then he got one or two. And then, I mean, uh, I think Allen played five games to Carey Price is seven there in the first uh, 12 games or something like that. And I don't think he got a rhythm. And I think that's what his problem is. And it is a mental thing coming as a goalie myself, you, you need a rhythm. You need a, you know, especially for a starting goalie, you need to know, Hey, I'm playing the next four games. I know I'm playing the next four games. I can mentally prepare for the next four games. Not that I'm not saying Julie didn't talk to price and Allen about a schedule or anything like that. That's not what I'm getting at, but what I'm getting at is they didn't want price to play so much. Uh, a rested price was going to be a better price. And really, if you think about it, a rested price is a worse price. Price is worse with all the rest he's been getting. And I think it's because he's not into his his rhythm that he needs to be in. Um, I don't think his defense is playing all that shit hot in front of him. His high danger, his high danger shot percentage is one of the tops in the league. Um, it's the far shots from the point. It's the low danger shots that he's letting in, like, what he shouldn't be letting in. Martin Brodeur, I'm going to bring this up, was notorious for letting at least one bad goal in a game. The problem with Martin Brodeur is he didn't let anything else in. So, and he had the defense that allowed him. I mean, let's say Martin Brodeur, I don't think faced too many times, faced more than 25 shots a game. But uh, I think that's the problem. Price doesn't have the defense uh, playing it up to par right now to allow him to have that one bad goal uh mind you the bad goals he's been letting in are at the wrong times of the freaking game like let, let's let's be honest here i'm a huge price fan i don't know if you can see behind me i got a bunch of price shit there but uh he's not playing to the standard he needs to play i agree with you blaine it's a mental thing uh i i think it's because he didn't get a rhythm at the start i'm on the fence on whether we should play it through or whether we should sit him i think from prices a uh, little interview the other day. I think he's leaning towards more of a, I got to sit and work with the uh, stuff on weight and get my game back together and props to him props to him for coming out and say, Hey, I'm only human. I'm not playing well. I don't really know what it is. I got to work this out. And uh, yeah, I fans got to take it easy. I mean, Habs fans right now, Price will come back. He'll get three shutouts. If he came back as three shutouts in a row and they went on a 10-game win streak, Price all of a sudden would be the greatest thing in the history of Montreal uh, 
Canadians and no one would say another bad thing about price. You'll have your odd guy who'll go, oh, I never wanted him in the first place. Until and, until he lets a goal in. Until he lets a bad goal in. And and I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm going by the fact that for the past 10 years, he's carried this frigging team everywhere they went. He's the only reason they made it to a Stanley Cup final or Stanley Eastern, Eastern Conference finals. He's the only reason in the past three years that they even came close to making the playoffs or getting their 96 points. So don't sit there when he's having a bad year to me and start asking for his head because you weren't asking for his head when he was winning the games for you. But now all of a sudden, because he's not, he's the worst thing in Montreal. Get out of here with that shit. I don't care. It pisses me off. On that that though, um, he is at that age now where uh, he is nearing the end of his prime. So goalies are usually in the prime around this age. He's got maybe three years left. I just turned 33. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Lug was played well until he was 38. Hasek's playing yeah. well. He's over 36. Uh, Rask is in his mid is around 32, 33. He's playing well. He's actually playing only. But I'm with players. you but, that uh, he is owed the time to fix this. It fix I'm this sorry. because he has yeah. done so much. But at the same time, if you're the general manager of a hockey team, you can't, you can't lead just on an emotion. You have to actually look at the practical of it and say, okay, I want to give him time to get this fixed up. But at the same time, I have to start looking at options because a, his contract B his, uh, his age and C you look at the age of your team. Is he going to be here when Suzuki and Kat, uh, hit their prime? No. So he, he's, he has to look, so if there's talk of rumors from other teams, because we know the rumors never come out of Montreal. Uh, so if there's talk of him being shopped around, I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, I would be surprised if ever he was moved. Yeah, I think it'd be, honestly, I, I think it'd be a big mistake. Yeah. It really would. I don't see it based on his no trade move contract, based on the fact that Bergevin's very loyal to him. And based on the fact that he has a ten and a half million dollar contract and he's playing like a three and a half million dollar goalie, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if he uh, if there were some phone calls because Price's oh, reputation is still there. Of course. So yeah, sure, take the calls, but at the same time, it, it, it's Carey Price. So yeah. for for many years, what it was was um, it was every other aspect of this team was shit. It was either the defense was bad or the forwards were bad or we had nobody at center. We had nobody that can score. Well, Bergeron went out and he addressed a hell of a lot of these issues. And the one thing that was always a consistent was goaltending. And now that's the thing that's not consistent. Now, what we've always said here on the show, and we've been consistent on this, is that since the start of this season, we have not said that the Canadians are cup contenders. That has been a consistent point that we have made. This is a playoff team, but they're not playing to that level right now. And that's a problem. That's why all these things are happening. Coaching changes, all the the complaints about everything, really. So, yeah, price has been the one consistent factor for this team year in, year out until now. And now everything else needs to step up and protect him. It's, It's their turn as a team to help out a teammate who has carried them this long. So, yeah, I, I do see though, that with all these hardships, all these problems, and you guys mentioned uh, 
Keefe taking a couple of weeks to get the, the Leafs going again once Babcock was fired. At the end of, let's say, the random two weeks, we'll just say two weeks. At the end of those two weeks, I'm you know around eight, ten games, and the Canadians are starting to roll again. I think all the hardships that they went through in that 15, 20 game segment where they had to battle constantly, that's going to build character. And I think that's going to help them when they, when they do finally end up in a playoff spot because the teams that roll through the year without any trouble tend not to do too well. How many people talk about the president's trophy champion getting tossed out in the first round, like Tampa Bay, they got swept after literally steamrolling the NHL. So a little bit of hardship is good. Too much is bad. So uh, I think that they're going to come out of this looking a little bit better and they'll, they'll ease into their third place spot. Like I had predicted Um, before we sign off, I'm going to give you guys a chance to kind of talk about that part. So Matt, you go first. Uh, I'll let Trey go first and I'll jump in after that. Yeah. Uh, I Montreal's built to play in the playoffs. I think uh, as long as they make the playoffs, I think I think they'll get past the first round. I think you're right; they'll slide into their. We we all predicted they finish around third in the division. Never said they were going to win the division. Never said they were going to win the cup. We never said they were cup contenders. I still don't think they are. I think they could make it maybe to the second, third round, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they'll slide into the third. I think. Uh, if we were in second place, like well ahead of people, this four game losing streak, no one would say a friggin' thing. I mean, it is a four game losing streak, but we did get two points out of it. So it's not totally terrible. It's not great. It's kind of bad. Totally. Just kind of bad. Uh, we're not in a horrible spot. We're still two points up on Calgary. Who's also struggling. Um, so we'll see what happens. I do want to point out though, that I read on Twitter today about cotton. Yemi. It's apparently he's written on the knob of his stick. Uh, get angry fucking asshole so in finish (laughs) so hopefully that'll uh that'll that'll spark his game and i kind of like that he's you know uh, getting off their topic there anyway that's that's all i gotta say i i i wouldn't panic just yet no just yet matt what about you you got that panic button on your on your desk ready to go or what oh not quite yet um but it's common if uh if this team cannot just shape up those those inconsistencies in their game uh stop taking those uh, extra penalties and um giving extra points to teams within the division and and that's you know they got to learn how to play in a shootout they got to learn how to play in overtime and um every every point counts this year it always does but this year is that much more important the only people you're playing against are the people you're seeing day after day within this division and these three point games at the end of the year, they're really going to add up. So I'm just going to, the last thing I want to say is hopefully Carey price can find that, find that part of his game again, that we've uh, all got used to over the years. And uh, this team can really turn it around under Ducharme and um, hopefully give us a reason to start cheering again. I think they need to be deployed better in overtime, not play better. That's it. That's it. Maybe score in overtime. That'd be nice. Um, all right. So uh, I think we'll end it there. We, we covered a ton of ground. We ranted, we raved. And, and oddly enough, we, we did it so sober. 
Um, Says you. Yeah, he don't know what was in this coffee. <laughs> I've been up since five. Now, keep in mind, I'm using the term sober relatively. So, you know, our experience, you know, with our backgrounds, a little different from others. You know, under 0.8. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And if anyone's not watching us on YouTube, <laughs> Treg just took a giant swig of his carbonated uh, carbohydrate drink, aka Why, that's my Molson. That's that's, that's Molson. My there we go. I don't drink Molson, but anyway. <laughs> what do you mean you don't sorry, drink? Sorry, Molson? Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> I buy local. Yeah, that's right. It's all it's all IPAs, double hops, uh, craft beers, and, and Treg's just basically a man bun away from hipster. <laughs> dirty blonde, buddy. I like the dirty blonde. Yeah. Before anyone complains, that's an actual beer at a brewery here in Nova Scotia. The dirty blonde. Yes. So uh, I think we'll end the show there. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in uh if you've watched us on youtube dear god thank you uh the youtube channel is uh, just starting out but we'd like to get some more subscribers so feel free to go to youtube check us out habs unfiltered hit subscribe hit that little bell so you don't miss a single episode we're going to start putting out some uh short videos as well uh some some more goofy stuff so you can capture you know our personalities a little bit more uh and we want to thank everyone for listening in on every podcast platform that you do, Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. We're pretty much there. Um, and those who send us comments and questions and they, you guys are the ones that prompt us into covering the topics that we cover. So thank you very much. And always remember if you were talking about it, so are we. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.